Well, good morning. It is great to see you. Welcome again to Christ Central. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. As Todd just prayed for me as I came up here uh, just now. Uh, glad all of you are here on a, a July a summer morning. You know, somewhere in the triangle, it's interesting because uh, a lot of our university students are away for the summer. Uh, many people use summer for vacation, so people are kind of in and out. And at the same time, uh, because of the transients of this area, a lot of people are moving in uh, to Durham and uh, Chapel Hill and, and Raleigh. And, and so it's been great seeing many of you uh, lately who are new uh, visiting our church. And, and, and maybe you're new because you just moved to the area, or maybe you're newer to our church because you're just visiting our church recently. You've been in the area for a long time. And either way, we're glad uh, that you're here. We would love to connect more deeply with you. Uh, let me plug again the City Fellowship that's happening uh, that Eric uh, shared about earlier. Come on Wednesday. It'll be a great time together as, uh, as well as the lunch on the lawn on Sunday. And we have a lot of social and kind of fellowship times happening throughout the summer to connect more deeply with one another. Uh, you might be wondering, who is Christ Central Church? Uh, we like to say and remind ourselves that we are a church that exists for the glory of God and for the good and flourishing of our city. Uh, we believe that the gospel of grace offered in Jesus is the power to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to our church and through our church to the city, to the triangle, and to the world. Uh, and so that's who we are. And so I'm glad you're here. It's great to be together this morning. Uh, we have been in a summer sermon series in the book of Proverbs uh, the past number of weeks. We're seeking to understand the way of wisdom. Uh, wisdom, it's a godly skill to navigate the complexities of life. Uh, it's godly skill for living in a complicated world. Uh, I've mentioned uh, in the past few weeks that Proverbs is written a lot like a puzzle. Uh, one chapter might jump around on different issues and themes. Uh, you can't read one chapter and it's not driving home one major point. And so what we're doing in this series is that we're taking from differing Proverbs and we're piecing uh, them together like a puzzle in order to understand the whole picture on certain issues. We've looked uh, in the past number of weeks at wisdom and the tongue. Last week we looked at wisdom and friendship. And this morning we're going to look at wisdom and anger. And, and I, I looked at my wife this past week and I said, well, I'm preaching on anger this week. And then I sort of painfully laughed <laughs> uh, because she knows what I know. Anger is something that comes natural to me. And in God's divine comedy this week, as I've been preparing to preach on anger, I've had many things that have stirred me to anger. Uh, just this hobble, if you saw me come onto the stage hobbling, uh, this hobble has caused me to get angry this week. Out of nowhere, I woke up Thursday morning and my left foot feels like it's broken. I'm not sure if it's severe arthritis, arthritis if it's my first time to ever get gout, if it's a bunion. I have no idea what it is. Zero idea. I just know it's made me angry. Uh, especially since we're leaving this evening for a family vacation that we've been excited about for a very long time. So it's the worst timing ever for this foot injury that I have. And so, if the, it, it, you know, every time a preacher has the honor to preach, it should be evident to their own heart and to their own mind that there is a gap between the preacher's life and the truth of God revealed in the Bible. Uh, I heard one pastor say that the more faithfully you preach the text of Scripture, the more you become a hypocrite. Well, I have to say this feels very true for me this morning. And so we're going to look at anger together. And if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to 
look at God's word together in Proverbs, and I'm not going to give reference to each one. I'm going to read as it's printed in the bulletin, and you can see the references on top, but I'm just going to read them as they are in the bulletin. This is God's word to us this morning. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is, has a hasty temper exalts folly. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. God, a good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, I ask that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Give us ears to hear, and more than anything, Lord, would your truth be planted deep in our hearts so that we are transformed. Would, would you melt away the anger that lies within us? Would you stir us to love and good deeds? Thank you that uh, this morning, uh, Lord, I feel uh, acutely the need for you to speak and for me to get out of the way. And so I pray that that would happen and that you would be exalted in this time, Jesus, and that we would be transformed because you have spoken to us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Years ago, the New York Times book review wrote a series, uh, a, a series of essays on the seven deadly sins. Uh, Mary Gordon wrote an incredibly beautiful essay on anger, mainly because she was willing to admit she knew a lot about it. Uh, one hot August afternoon, she wrote, she was in the kitchen preparing dinner for 10. Although the house was full of people, no one offered to help her chop, stir, or set the table. She was stewing in her own juices, she said, when her two small children and her 78-year-old mother insisted that she stop what she was doing and take them swimming. They positioned themselves in the car, she said, leaning on the horn and shouting her name out the window so that all the neighbors could hear them loudly reminding her that she had promised to take them swimming. That, Gordon said, was when she lost it. She flew outside, jumped on the hood of her car, she pounded on the windshield. She told her mother and her children that she was never, ever going to take any of them anywhere. And none of them was ever going to have one friend in any house of hers until the hour of their death, which she said she hoped was soon. <laughs> and then the frightening thing happened. I became a huge bird, she said, a carrion crow. My legs became hard stalks. My eyes were sharp and vicious. I developed a murderous beak, greasy black feathers, took the place of my arms. I flapped and flapped. I blotted out the sun's light with my flapping. Even after she had been forced off the hood of the car, she said it, it took her a while to come back to herself. And when she did, she was appalled because she realized she had genuinely frightened her children. Her son said to her, I was scared because I didn't know who you were. Sin makes the sinner unrecognizable, Gordon concluded. And the only, antidote to its for, it, it, the only antidote to it is forgiveness. But the problem is that anger is so exciting, 
so enlivening that forgiveness can seem like a limp surrender. If you've ever cherished resentment, you know how right it can make you feel to have someone in the world whom you believe is all wrong. You may not be up to admitting it yet, but one of the greatest benefits of having an enemy is that you get to look good by comparison. It also helps to have someone to blame for why life was not turning out the way it was supposed to. It's the end quote to her article. Mary Gordon writes eloquently about anger. And I use her story because I think many of us can relate to it. Maybe not to the jumping on the hood of the car part, but at least wanting to jump onto the hood of the car. And we've all been in that place where we boil and anger rises and we either finally explode or we find a way to suppress our anger. But inside, we've felt the thrill of anger. We, we've cherished resentment. We make ourselves feel better by comparing ourselves to others and we enjoy having someone to blame for our life not being what we hoped it would be. Anger, it can be explosive or it can be silently suppressed. And suppressing anger does not mean that anger has gone away. It's just seeking to appear really nice while deep down inside being angry as hell. The reality is that anger has a, a way in all of our lives. And so instead of asking you this morning, are you an angry person? I want to ask you, what do you do with your anger? Do you blow up or do you clam up? When we get angry, be it blow up or clam up, we're all tempted to justify our anger by blaming it on something else or someone else. I was asked a convincing question one time, and it was this. Have you ever gotten angry at an inanimate object? I thought about it for a second. I said, yes, Natalie, more than I would like to say. That yard tool for not working when I needed it to work. The trunk of my car when I hit my head on it. My golf putter for not making the putt when I needed it. My shoe this morning when I needed to put it over my painful left foot. Right, the list goes on. It's a convicting question because people can do things that cause us to get angry and we can blame them. An inanimate object has done nothing to us. It solely reveals we are angry. So I hope we can all agree this morning, every one of us here is angry. Now, I want to I say this. Anger is not always wrong. God has anger. And our ability to get angry was, is because we're born in the image of God who has anger. And God's anger flows out of his perfection. It's a part of his glory to get angry about and for certain things. God gets angry when he sees the world is not the way he created it to be. Jesus gets angry in the New Testament when he sees, sees that things are not the way they're supposed to be. The Bible teaches us that there is such a, a thing as good anger. Good anger flows out of a desire for something to be made right. We get angry at injustices in our world. We get anger at the sin in our world. We get anger at the sin in our own lives. Good anger fuels and drives us to action. It leads to passion. Many of us here this morning need to become more angry in this way. But we have to understand that anger is like nuclear energy. It can be used for good, fueling passion, or it can be used to destroy and be quite catastrophic. So I want us to look at Proverbs and how it talks about catastrophic anger. 
anger that destroys. And the way I want to do this is by using the categories that Proverbs uses to describe the two paths or the two ways that we can choose to walk in this life. The way of the fool or the way of the wise. A reminder, if, you, if you've been here, if you haven't been here, let me tell you that the way of the fool and the way of the wise are moral categories in Proverbs. The wise are, are those who know God, worship God, imperfect as it might be, they submit themselves to God and to God's ways. The fool rejects God and God's ways and they do what is right in their own eyes. And so we're going to look first at the foolish way to deal with anger. Proverbs 12, 6 says that a fool is vexed. Proverbs 14, 29 says a fool has a hasty temper. Fools unleash anger without filtering it. And this unleashing could be blowing up or clamming up. As I said, you could be driving down the road and someone cuts in front of you and you blow up and yell and lay on your horn or hit the brakes and you just kind of mumble to yourself, idiot, right? A fool unleashes anger without filtering it. Proverbs 29, 11 says a fool gives full vent to his spirit. How many times you've heard it said, or maybe you've said, I just need to, I need to go vent to somebody. As if venting helps put anger away. And we, we act like this is going to get things off our chest. And so we want to vent to someone so that we don't blow up on that person or we don't blow up on a, another person. But if you've ever vented to someone, you know this isn't what happens when you vent. I mean, think about it. What happens when you vent a fire? The fire becomes larger. Right? Venting to a person about another person will not make you feel any better. You'll just feel more angry and more tired and you'll be fueled to blow up on someone or something. See, anger, it's like the check engine light on a car dashboard. It reveals that there's something not okay under the hood. Something's going on in the deeper places of our hearts. Right, take Proverbs six thirty-four. It says, for jealousy makes a man furious. And he will not spare when he takes revenge. It's interesting that Proverbs says jealousy causes anger. Because when do we get jealous? We get jealous when something we love greatly is threatened. Right? If another man flirts with my wife, I'm getting jealous and I'm probably getting angry. Because I love Rachel and something's threatening our love. Right? Anger is the light that, get, that goes off revealing that something is blocking or threatening your desire or your love. Anger is always a barometer for what you love. And you get most angry when the things you love are most threatened. Why would you get angry and call someone an idiot if they're driving 15 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone? Because what really matters in that moment is not that person, it's not their circumstances, but it's your time your plans. And that person is blocking what really matters most to you. You see, anger is always revealing something about ourselves, communicating something else is happening in our hearts. Good anger is an anger for God's glory and for the world to be made right, which leads to passion. Foolish anger is most often polluted. It's driven to protect ourselves, our right, our honor, our agendas, our kingdoms. And it can lead you to attack someone. 
It can lead you to bitterness and resentment. It can make you slowly pull away and withdraw from someone. Either way, within your heart, you're walking away of the fool. And so let me ask some diagnostic questions to us this morning that I think reveal anger. Are you irritable about anything? Are you defensive around anything? Are you bitter toward anyone? Are you aloof and withdrawn from relationships or certain relationships? Are you lethargic and tired? Because angry people can be filled with pride and express their anger with explosion, be be irritable, defensive, bitter, resentful, or angry people can be depressed as they boil with anger being aloof, withdrawn, lethargic, and tired. And if we walk the way of the fool and we never deal with anger, it will smolder and we will become cynical or despairing. And if you do not deal with anger in your relationships, it will be a fire that will burn other relationships. To put it another way, if you're nursing a grievance towards someone, it will either calcify your heart and cause you to shut down, or it will lay dormant and become a virus that infects other relationships. This is the foolish way to deal with anger, according to Proverbs. Well, let's look secondly at the wise way to deal with anger. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Proverbs 16, 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Slow to anger. If you've read much of the Old Testament, that refrain should sound familiar to you, for it is the way that God is often described in the Bible. God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This phrase, slow to anger, it means long fuse. It it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot for God to get angry. And God is never unhinged in his emotions. His emotions are always tied to his character. So to be godly, to be like God It doesn't mean we we never feel anger. It means that our feelings are never unhinged from the character of God. Proverbs 19, 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Glory, it's the word beauty. It is the beauty of the wise to overlook an offense because this is the way of God. God overlooks our offenses. Anger is rooted in fairness. And are you not thankful God isn't fair? He doesn't give us what we deserve, but he overlooks our offenses. This is the beauty. This is the glory of the gospel. So if we want to deal with our anger wisely, we must first own the truth that we're not always slow to anger, that we don't always overlook an offense, that we often walk the way of the fool. In other words, we must confess our own foolishness and repent. I I was meeting with my counselor a a few weeks ago, and I was sharing with him some of my frustrations around a certain situation in my life and how I felt something was unfair, that this other person wasn't thinking clearly. And he looked at me, and he rarely ever does this. He he never really speaks directly. He kind of always does, you know, asks questions and pulls me out, but he spoke really directly in this moment. He said, Daniel, you have some real anger here. And at first I was like, no, no, do you, my, I don't, do you hear my voice? I don't sound angry. 
And, and I said, and you're not really listening to me because I was wronged. I'm right. And you're supposed to agree with me how this other person is way off. And then I realized, dang it, he's right. <laughs> I am angry. Because anger makes you compare yourself against someone and judge someone in order to feel better about yourself. And then he encouraged me to be honest before God about my anger. He really just encouraged confession and repentance. You see, to walk the way of wisdom with anger, we have to start by being honest about the times that we've walked the way of the fool. We have to stop pretending, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. We have to stop pretending that we're good and nice people who on occasion have an anger outburst and instead embrace that we are angry people, be it blowing up or clamming up, being judging others out of pride or suppressing so that we don't feel. And when we can be honest about this, then we are in the place to see the glory of God. Owning our foolishness will lead us to see how beautiful God is by overlooking our offenses, how beautiful it is that God forgives and loves it's in this place of confession and repentance that we can behold the beauty of God displayed on the cross. The righteous anger, the good anger of God poured out on Jesus as he bore in his body the wrath of God so that God could overlook our offenses and so that we could receive his love. And if God is the judge and Jesus was judged in our place, we don't need to be the judge of anyone we too can overlook offenses. And it's experiencing the love of God that will melt our anger away and will give us a love for God and a love for others, even a love for those who we might feel are our enemies. The love of God in Christ applied by the Spirit of God is what enables us to walk the way of the wise in regards to anger. So this morning, if you trust in Jesus... You are not defined by your foolishness, which is why we can confess it. And the love of God in Jesus has made you new. You are a new creation in Christ. And you also have a new power that is at work in your life. The power of Christ transforming us. So the anger within, the love we have for things more than God doesn't have to remain the same. We're not promised perfection until glory, but we are given a new power that is transforming our hearts and increasing our love for God and for others. And so we can walk the way of the wise. We can overlook an offense. We can hold our tongue. We can absorb the cost of forgiveness because we are loved by God and because the power of Christ is at work transforming us. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you would melt away our anger, soften our hearts, God. Help us to be honest about the ways in which we have either had become calcified toward others or resenting others or bitter about situations. Wherever anger is, Lord, would you bring your love to bear? Would we see how much we're forgiven so that we could forgive? Would you give us soft hearts to love, Lord Jesus? Thank you that you love us 
Thank you that you're at work in our lives. Thank you that we don't remain the same, but day to day we are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And so I pray that you would do that in regards to anger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.